Sabhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sankhang Namasame So, uh, can you hear, if you can hear me all right in the back, would you nod? Yeah, great. So this is uh, officially the second day of the retreat. The first day is very short because we just have our evening, so we're arriving in the evening. And uh, any of you who've done more than one or two retreats will know that the first three days are often the, the most grueling and then uh, something often shifts. So uh, when, we, when we come into a retreat, we come with the, the habits of our lives, of our minds, and we bring them into a retreat setting and uh, into a, you know, and we create together a sacred space. So it's a, it's a safe space as much as one can be and uh, there, are, there are clear ethics and clear uh, ways of relating and uh, there's enough to eat and just about enough warmth and um, you know, hopefully comfortable enough bed and all of that so there's, there's, there's the necessities and then there's also this, this uh, kind of a, a sacred space that we create together and then uh, we sit in this sacred space and we meet the mind that we brought with us that uh, has been cultivated over goodness knows how long. And uh, for the first few days this can be quite hard going, or even longer than the first few days. It can be quite hard going because you know, the, often the wish is that we come and we just we can have some peace and some, uh, some enjoy those, those blissful states that we hear about, read about, and maybe remember. And uh, often in the beginning of the retreat, it's not quite like that. It's a bit more of a struggle. Um, and then maybe we look for ways to distract ourselves. You know, let's just pick up a book. There's this nice little library here. So, oh, let's pick up a book. And just kind of absorb into a book and then don't have to be with the, the mind state that I brought with me. So that can be done. We're not going to confiscate the books, but we really encourage you not to do that because you kind of uh, miss the opportunity of, of getting to see what's going on here in this heart and mind. So Ajahn Chah would always say you know, that the, the, the only book you need to be to know is is the book of your own chitta, the book of your own mind. This is the book that will liberate you, the one right here. Um, and, but it can be helpful you know, to have little inspirational readings along one's path. But I'd say on a retreat like this, just stay with the teachings and, and see 
what arises in the heart. And let the, let the gardens inspire you, let, the, uh, let the, the freshness of the air outside inspire you. Don't uh, just absorb into something that will take you out of yourself. Distraction. So uh, earlier on today, I sent the tutor was giving some meditation instruction on the, on the body parts. And uh, at the end of that instruction, she said, when you practice in this way, it can bring a sense of peace. And I was just reflecting on, you know, well, why is that? You know, why is that? That reflecting on something so seemingly uninspiring as, you know, skin, flesh and bones, how will that bring peace? Or how does that bring peace? And for myself, one of the practices that I find brings me a lot of joy is the, the contemplation of, of imminent death. <laughs> it's surprising how much joy it arises when one, one reflects on, well, this could be my last breath. So all of the worries and the, the um, projections and the, you know, the uh, sense of being burdened or, or not knowing if one can make the right decisions for the future, all of those just fall away because this could be my last breath. And so there's just this, there's just this moment. There's just the immediacy of this. And uh, so in our, our natural tendency or habitual tendency is is to be constantly creating a story of self, or maybe several stories of self. The story of, of who, we, who we are, who we were, where we come from. The story of, of how we should be, or how we could be. And then the story of you know who we're going to be in the future, or you know who we think we should be in the future, or maybe uh, scenarios that we expect that we're going to meet in the future. So we 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 tell these stories. Our minds make up these stories of self that play out. And you know when we really look and scrutinise, what I find when I really look is that's where the suffering begins. That's where the dukkha begins with that story of me whether it's in the past, in the present or in the future it's, you know, it's dukkha and these practices of um, just knowing the body as the body then we're, we're right here with this body it's not that the body is, is perfect or doesn't experience pain or you know, it's, it's limited, it's aging, it'll die. It's meant to be that way. But it's like this, it's, it's right here now, it's like this. And being with the immediacy of the body, there's a certain relief from that story of self. Or bringing a reflection like, this could be my last breath. It brings, can bring immediate relief and release. So, um, you know, we, we do all 
you know, we, we have our stories, we have our life's journey. We, you know, some people have come in the midst of quite challenging um, life changes or, or are in the midst of uh, unraveling old knots that, uh, that have been created in the past trauma or, um, you know, unraveling different identities that we've, uh, we've, that, well, that have formed through what we've been told or what has happened to us, um, how we've perceived things. So it's, it's, it's a very valid part of the path to unravel those knots. It's actually it's really, really important and uh, part of the path. But they are what unravels now in the moment through presence. So it's not that we, you know, we, we root around and try to find and fall back in how we were back then and, and, uh, and try to work out with our thinking mind, try to work out how do I, you know, how do I get myself out of this? How do I change this or how do I you know, put something on top of this? But it's more a turning towards what is arising now, in the moment. And uh, turning towards it with interest, and with uh, like a curiosity, and an openness. So it's, it's really helpful when we, when we come into retreat to, to, to notice what is the tendency, you know, what tendency do we, do we meet our life experience with? And do we have the tendency to just lightly touch on things and then jump onto the next thing? So to, to not really want to stay with anything very long and next or next, next, you know, is that our tendency? Or do we tend to hold on too much? To feel that we're responsible for the troubles in the world, that we have to we have to change everything. So if if we hold on too much, then things get stuck in our energy system. We become heavy, we get sick, we get depressed, we struggle. So I like to think of uh, the the. Um, the bigger picture, because we, we all see ourselves, you know, it's, it's, it's until we're really free, we all see ourselves as these separate individual somebody with a story, with a name, you know, a story, a history, uh, a particular character. And that there's a truth to that, that's, that's part of, the, of the, the truth of things, but it's only part. And then there's the, the big picture where there's this uh, kind of dynamic process of arising and passing away. I was going to say of creation, but that kind of gives slightly the wrong image because it's creation and destruction. They're both going on all the time, the arising and, and falling away of things. And in that big picture, it's like... Um, you know, you could say that the elements come together and arise like this at this time. So the, the four elements come together and arise in this form here at this time. Or in, in this form, as a, as a clock. It's four elements coming together. 
in, in every form, actually, in the universe. The four elements are coming together in a particular kind of dance or a particular play. And uh, so when we think in, the, in those terms of the, on, a, on, a more, on a broader, more cosmic level, you could say, then there's no need to hang on to anything. There's no need to hang on to, to uh, you know, feeling bad about ourselves or, or trying to take away the suffering of the world and, and by, by bringing it on ourselves, by holding it for ourselves. There's no need to, um, you know, to accumulate the tensions that we do accumulate. Because, you know, if we, if we let those go, or when we realize how to let those go, they just become energy again. So what we hold in our bodies, the tensions that we hold, the knots that, that are held in this system here, when they're released, when we find the way the, to release them, they are simply energy again. They're not good, they're not bad, they're just energy. And then that energy becomes free energy that's uh, recycled in the universal system. So it's free to, to come into any other form. And so, you know, the, the sun is an immense source of energy, warming bringing life, uh, the wind, movement, huge source of energy, water, and, uh, and, the, and uh, fire, yeah, the sun is fire, similar. So there's the, and the earth, it's like more, more stilled energy, but it's still very dynamic. And uh, we miss the, the dynamism and the change that is, is constantly happening. It's, it's, it's like this, this earth is a constant process of change. Every living being on this planet is a constant process of change. The, the movement of the, the stars and the planets and the suns constantly moving and changing. And that's, uh, that's the truth of this uh, this. Uh, realm, we could say, or this universe that we live in, it's, it's never static for one moment. And yet we hold on to things, we try to make things stable, we try to make things certain, we try to make ourselves a certain way and keep it that way. Or we, or we don't want to, but we can't help it. We get tangled up. And that's, that's what happens. You know, the, we, 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 we mistake what is changing for what is not changing. We mistake what is in a constant flux for what is permanent or what is self or what is other. And in truth, it's changing all the time. So in this practice, we're learning to see again the, the changing nature of things and to let go into that. So uh, you know, just before I started giving this talk, I was looking around the room and it's just reflecting, like, it takes a lot of faith to come into a retreat, 10-day retreat, because you never know what's going to happen 
on that during that time. You don't know who you're going to be when you leave the retreat. So, uh, you know, and it takes faith to to open to this truth of of not knowing, to this truth of ever changing, to the the wisdom of letting go. It takes faith and courage. <coughs> And we all, you know, we all find ourselves, we all, we all try to make a certain level of certainty in our lives. I often reflect on, on the process of coming over to America and not knowing, you know, not knowing is it going to work or not, and not really having an alternative to go back to, and, and, um, and just the, the, the difference, how it felt to be on a, on a tourist visa three-month tourist visa felt one way. Being on a, on a two-and-a-half-year-long religious visa felt another way. Being on a green card oh, felt kind of different again, you know, because there's this perception of, of certainty or, or um, security, that, that, and it just felt different. And even though my rational mind knows, you know, everything's uncertain, even with a green card is uncertain, but... But still, on a, on a certain sort of maybe survival level, there's, there was a there was a, a deepening of relief with each extension of the visa, and um, and so we, we you know we we do respond to supportive conditions. It's not like we're we're beyond that, but within that, there is a daily momentary really not knowing we don't really know what's going to happen next in our life we don't know what's going to arise we don't know what's going to unravel we don't know what's going to change and uh, even if we you know we 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 like to keep everything under control you know some of us are very good at that we keep keep things under control keep it all pinned down keep it all clear we can do that to some degree, and it's helpful to some degree, but we don't really know what's going to happen next. So, you know, there are, there are ways that we can meet that, we can train our minds to meet that in a, a steady and gentle and uh, wise way. And one of the really simple um, supports or tools for that is, is mindfulness of breathing. It's knowing the in-breath and the out-breath. Being with, directly experiencing the in-breath and the out-breath. So, so simple. <clears throat> and so easy to distract ourselves and think about something else. So, uh, you know, each in-breath is a new moment, new life. It's, it's happening now. And then each out-breath is a letting go, also a new moment, letting go. And when we're really present with the breath, 
It starts to teach us that, that process of receiving and letting go that we need to do again and again in life. And, and if we ignore it, you know, if we ignore that process of uh, beginnings and endings or um, receiving and letting go, then we have big shocks in our life. We have big shocks when something ends, when something changes. It's a shock and we're shaken and it's terrible because we, we haven't really noticed that that's going on all the time. So uh, we had one nun, uh, one of our nuns in England, she used to say, I just really don't like change. <laughs> Always used to make me laugh, you know. Your Buddhist nun, but just don't like change. And, it's like, and she knew, you know, she knows the teaching, but, but, the, but the visceral feeling was, I don't like change. I, I want it to stay the same. I want it to be certain. I want it to be clear. I want it to be familiar. And uh, because change shakes us up, challenges our sense of self and our sense of safety. So through this retreat, you know, we, we do have uh, relative safety here. It's pretty safe as far as it goes. And we have a lot of time and not a lot of distraction, apart from what's going on in our own minds. So I just want to encourage, it's just a short talk, I just want to encourage you to really pay attention to, to change. Um, so in the morning, when you wake up, being aware of the, the transition from sleep to being awake. It might be a sudden jolt or it might be a gradual transition. And be aware of how you meet those first moments of the day, whether it's with aversion, confusion, uh, fear, interest, enthusiasm. You know, just see what, what do you meet the first moments of the day with. And, uh, and then as you enter the hall the first time and sit down, just being aware of what mind state is present now. It's a very helpful practice. Each time you come into this hall through the day, what mind state, and you come in and you sit down on your seat and just check in which mind state is present now. And uh, in doing that, you get to see how the mind changes all the time. So it's hard to stay present with the mind all the time, but it, you have these little moments where you check in. Oh, I'm here again. Is it the same as it was when I came in last time? Then you start to see more clearly how the, you know, what we take to be me and mine is, this, is, is constantly changing. You don't, you don't see it as a concept, but you see it as, you actually see it in its reality. And, uh, well, we have this wonderful teacher, the heating system here. You know, it gets too hot and then it gets too cold. And so we're, we're fiddling around trying to find the right temperature. It's a little bit too cold now. 
And even if we find that perfect balance, just by the nature of the thermostat, it's going to be sometimes too hot and sometimes too cold. So watching that, you know, watching the, the change, how that, how that affects us. How does that affect us? There'll be that sweet spot where it's just right. Where, it, yeah, it, where it's warmed up and it's gone off, so it's not making a noise. Mm. You enjoy that for a while, then it starts to get too cold. And then it comes on again and maybe for a moment we're happy because it's come on and then it starts to feel like, oh, it's that noise again. And then, so it's a teacher, the heating system, a special teacher there, this monastery, this uh, centre has. And, uh, and seeing how that affects the mind and the body. You know, the body starts to crunch up and then the mind starts to kind of grumble or cringe. You know, just, just watching how, what, what happens. And then the more we can bring awareness to, to all of these, these changes and how we respond, how our mind responds to the, to the, the changes in our environment, then uh, the, more, the stronger our awareness is, the less we are uh, simply a slave to the movements of the mind. We are knowing the movements of the mind. And we don't have to control the mind and make it a certain way, but we know it for what it is, and then we have a bit of choice. So if we, if we uh, you know, for the, the tenth time find ourselves complaining in our mind about it being too noisy or too cold or too hot, or whichever one it might be, um, then we realise, like, oh, look at that, you know. There's the mind looking for something to complain about. And, and then you have a choice. You can carry on, you know, complaining about it in the mind. You know, nobody, you know, it's only affecting yourself. Or you can meet it in a different way, like inquire. So what is it like? You know, it's cold. And what is that like? I don't like it. And what is that like? Well, it's, it's contraction. And there's aversion. And there's maybe a sense of having to endure something. So there's a sense of me in time who's cold. And then is there another way of experiencing it? Well, maybe I can move my body a little bit and not feel so contracted. Already I feel a bit better, just moving my shoulders a little bit. And then there's, well, there's several things we can do. You know, we, can just, we can just know the feeling of unpleasant feeling. It's one of the foundations of mindfulness, cold, unpleasant feeling. Or, or um, we can know the mind state, you know, a, a verse Aversive mindset is one of the hindrances, ill will, don't want it. Or we can uh, develop the heart, uh, you know, contemplate compassion. Think of people, there's many, 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 many people on the streets, sleeping outside with a blanket maybe, or a sleeping bag and a bit of cardboard underneath them, who are probably colder. And then it's like, oh, 
you know, this bit of cold doesn't feel nice and there are people who are much colder who actually haven't got a choice at all. So then the, that can, can cultivate the compassion in the heart. And we can do that with anything we experience. Because basically the human experience, you know, it's a shared experience. So, uh, you know, when, the, when the, we're very much in the story of me and mine, it's like it's a very small world. And what happens in that story is very big. It has center stage. And uh, living in that way is, uh, you know, I think the Buddha was very clear, he saw very clearly that living in that way where the, 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 the story of me and mine is the main story is, is a lot of suffering. It's, it's, an, it's an unhappy, it's a, it's a struggle, it's a miserable <laughs> when, when me and mine is centre stage all the time. And so uh, the, the qualities of the heart, cultivating the qualities of the heart is, a really, is really, really important. Um, and seeing, you know, dropping down and seeing, well, how is, how is my heart? Is it small? Is it also cold and trembling? And, uh, or is it fearful? Just getting to know the heart in any given moment and, and then meeting that with a, with a certain gentleness and uh, like an invitation to to open, to get broader. So there's a, a simile where the Buddha is saying, speaking to a monk, and he's saying, if I put a, a bit of salt into a little container, like a little tiny, like an egg cup, something like that, if I put some salt into an egg cup, and you drink that, that water, uh, sorry, into an egg cup of water, and you drink that water, would it be salty? And then the monk says, oh yeah, of course, it'd be salty. You can put salt into an egg cup of water, it's going to be salty. And then he says, if I take that same salt and put it into the, the Ganges River, and you drink some of that Ganges River, would it be salty? And he's saying, well, no, it wouldn't be salty. There's so much water in the Ganges, it, the salt would just, wouldn't make any difference. So it's the same, you know, if we, if we have something that arises that's, that's painful and we're in our chitta, so the chitta is the heart-mind, our chitta is very small, so it's small because we're, you know, we, we're, it can be because we're self-obsessed or because we're fearful or because um, we're maybe just... Um, caught in, in loops of thinking, then it's very salty, it's very unpleasant, it's, 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 it's overwhelming even. But if we make the chitta large, we let it open out, so that's the heart-mind. If we let the chitta open out and be uh, as, as uh, well, as boundless as the river Ganges would be amazing, but maybe it's not quite like that yet. But if we let it, uh, let it broaden and open out, then when those painful things arise, they arise in a much greater space, and so they're not overwhelming. 
So uh, yeah, through this time we'll be, we'll be guiding uh, qualities of the heart, developing qualities of the heart that can remind us. So it's not like we don't know how to do it. It's just that we've forgotten, we forget. Uh, so that will remind us to open, to, uh, to let go of the, of the contraction of, of me and mine, at least for a while so that our hearts and minds can have more space. And within that space of uh, awareness and of, uh, of the Brahma Viharas, there's much more room to receive whatever needs to arise, whatever needs to arise in consciousness. So this, this path isn't saying we shouldn't feel this or we shouldn't feel that, but it's giving us tools within which we can allow what needs to arise to arise, to be known and to be let go of. And, uh, and as I said before, you know, as, we, as we let go, it's not something we can do, it's something that happens when the, the right conditions come together, but as we let go, it's like we let that energy that's been bound up in us go back into the universe. We let it, uh, we give it up, we offer it up so that it can be used for other things. So, um, in this practice, you know, be sure to, to notice the, the habits of the mind because it can be that we approach our practice through those habits, and uh, you know, sometimes. Our habits are to be very hard judges, to be very critical. And, and if that's the case, then, then we apply that to ourselves. And we're like, come on, you should, be, well, you should know better, you shouldn't be doing that by now, why you, haven't you let go of that? And if we meet our practice in that way, then it, it becomes really miserable. And uh, it doesn't really work. So, uh, mindfulness. Um, sati, awareness, interest, inquisitiveness, uh, having the you know staying with, having energy for. These are these are qualities that really help. So we can't be inquisitive if we're being judgmental. Judgmental. The judge has already made the decision. There's no the you know the, the inquisitiveness has kind of been squashed. So we need, we need inquiry, inquisitiveness, curiosity, uh, interest, and uh, energy. And uh, to allow joy to arise, to allow uh, a smile to arise in the heart. You know, when you, when you uh, find those moments, like I find when I go outside in the day and see the gardens and uh, smell the fresh air and uh, see the birds, joy arises. And that also actually, I, I always feel like I get the best seat in these, or we get the best seat there, because I, I get to look at all of you. And, uh, and I know that you know, people come with all kinds of challenges. As I said, she was saying earlier on, you don't, you don't start the practice if you haven't known 
dukkha. If you haven't known that the you know the challenges of life, you don't you don't begin. You just keep having fun. You know? um, so knowing that and knowing that you you're coming here and with a wish to transform, I, I contemplate that and joy arises. As she gets shivers, not just from the cold. <laughs> Joy arises. So you know we can we can um, find those those uh, those ways of meeting our experience where that open the heart that bring up joy. It can be just a, a little tenderness. Because, uh, each of us will find, will have different ways that we will access that. And to uh, to nourish, you know, to nourish what is wholesome, not just to bang away at what is not right or difficult, but to really nourish any any moments that wholesome qualities arise in your in the citta. And uh, these will be a support for us in our practice. So I just want to wish everyone every blessing through this retreat. <clears throat> and uh, may it be transformative and uh, insightful and liberating. Andamayang tamakataya satukarang tatamase. 